Channing Tatum, uh, I would, <laughs> I don't want him to sell the vaccine, but I'm just saying I would accept the vaccine from him in some form of DNA. And that's all I'll say. <laughs> like if you injected it through his dick, you'd be like, yes, let's do this. Welcome, one and all, to another episode of the Bituation Room Podcast. What's going on? I am your host, Francesca Fiorentini. You've seen me from The Thing and That Thing and That Other Time. I guest voiced a thing on... I didn't actually get... One time I guest voiced on a very... It was like Skinamax situation. I needed money. I was in uh, Buenos Aires. Okay. I've started off real hot, <laughs> actually. Um... We've got a great show for you today. I'm so excited. We're going to get into all of the important things like climate change, indigenous rights, and Britney Spears being free. I feel like those things go perfectly, perfectly hand in hand. Comedian Babs Gray is here. Uh, super excited to have her with us. Um, Clayton Thomas Mueller is here, the uh, organizer with 350.org. Uh, also to break it down, give us some hope. Uh, give us some reason to freak the hell out and, and all the other things. We're talking about voting rights. We're going to talk about, um, obviously, what has been going on in Texas and throughout this country. Uh, and we're going to end the show asking everyone who, if you, if, if, if you had to choose, which celeb um, would prompt you and inspire you to do literally anything like if they like olivia rodrigo gets the vaccine who would your person be right like if you saw this person doing something even if it was like you know base jumping on psilocybin which actually sounds i mean that mostly sounds dangerous but also a little bit fun um who would you follow to the ends of the earth i want to ask y'all and i want to know from our guests um thank you so much for being here i hope you guys have hit the like button hope you've shared the stream uh, if you're listening in the future what's up do we make it uh, as always um and can you please please give this podcast five stars on itunes it's super helpful helps people discover us and so long as we don't have a big old sugar daddy you know just someone i can shill for ooh for right now I shill for you people. I shill for no one except the Frantifa. That is right. Patreon.com slash Bituation Room is where you can become part of the Frantifa. Five bucks, ten bucks gets you a shout out. Twenty bucks gets you access to our uh, AMAs, our monthly AMAs, which I'm changing up the format. AMAs are now available to watch from all patrons, but only if you give 20 bucks or more, can you ask me a question? I'll get your question read and answered. We'll have a back and forth. But no longer I'm going to release them to the public. Uh, so if you liked those, become a patron. Even, even if you can't afford much, you can always give two bucks a month. Anything helps. Um, and, and you'll get more content. You also get content uh, access to content early. So NATO Green and I had a an hour and 45 minutes on Cuba, Haiti, communism and socialism in Latin America, uh, a little bit of James Carville in there. So if you guys haven't listened or watched back that bonus episode, do that now or not now, but you know what I'm saying? Like later, like cue it up, you know? Um, 
And yeah, that was such a fun episode. So make sure to listen. And, and if you feel like supporting and you can support, do that. Do that. Also, if you're like, Patreon, what? Ew, I don't know. You can tip the show, TBR-Live on Venmo, TBR-Live on Cash App. Uh, all of your tips are, are important. Uh, hashtag all tips matter. And thank you so much to everyone who's done all of the things that I have just laid out. And I'm going to thank you with the illustrious fart song. Yes, thank you so much to all of this week's supporters, to our big tippers. Um, hang on. Joseph L. Oh my God, Joseph, you're so sweet. To Karen K. Once again, defying every Karen stereotype. Karen, you're the best Karen of them all. You're the queen of all Karens, or should I say the queef of all Karens, considering what we're listening to. Uh, for the new patrons, 10 bucks or more, Raymond L., Christopher C., Brandon R., love you, Brandon. And thank you so much, Kim J., for upping your pledge. You can totally up your pledge. If you've given less, you can get more. You see how it works. To the uh, to the Twitch subscribers, Kin of Wolf, who resubscribed, AOC is right, Chloe Gamboa, right air, right A's drop. Yeah, that was the pronunciation that I deserved. And uh, Zaddy Lad, thank you guys so much for subscribing on Twitch. Make sure to subscribe. You can direct all of your Amazon Prime bucks to this podcast right here. Uh, all right, let's let's talk about this. Um, uh, everyone, just put on your bitching caps. This is what are you bitching about? So I live in Los Angeles, and uh, as of sun Saturday night at midnight, uh, LA County reinstituted a an indoor mask mandate. Now, whether or not uh, anyone will be enforcing that mandate um, is a one question to set aside. Uh, I believe it is very difficult to put the cat back in the bag. Once the cat's been out, maskless, roaming around, hugging, shaking hands, all the shit we said we would never do again, let's come back. Oh, yeah, I'm doing it all, right? Now, so personally, I do wear masks indoors, especially if I'm working, like I'm, I'm hosting a comedy show, I'm on a comedy show. Um, but when you're trying to have fun, when you're trying to enjoy yourself, if you're fully vaccinated, you got to wonder, why the F do I wear a mask? And then you realize, oh, yeah. It's for the 30 plus percent of Angelinos who will not get vaccinated and many of whom are fully aware of the benefits of science, who are fully equipped, who are fully capable of getting vaccinated. But because they read too much goop or because they read too much, too many Q drops for some reason, which is the same thing. I think it's just goop, right? Like Q drops are basically goop. They all drop down. Whether you're QAnon or WooAnon, these anti-vaxxers at this point are selfish MFers. Like I don't really know how else to explain it. Now I know some of you will say, look, I'm immunocompromised. I am super sympathetic to that. I want to say that the worst thing for immunocompromised people is COVID-19. That will be worse than the side effects of a vaccine that will not last or will be as deadly or will be deadly at all when compared to COVID-19. So there's that. I get it. 
I've straight up had people say to my face, they won't be vaccinated because, well, you know my story about, because we, I vibrate on a higher frequency. When I beat the shit out of you, you'll vibrate on a fucking frequency, bitch. I'm sorry. But I've had people say to my face, oh, I think we should stay indoors. I like quarantine. I think it's good for humanity to be indoors. Cool, bro. How many family members have you lost to COVID? How many children do you have living with you, unable to leave to go to school because of COVID? How much work have you lost because of COVID? The amount of selfishness at this point for not getting vaccinated is beyond me. And yes, there are systemic reasons why this is fucked, why, why it should not be on businesses to enforce things like mask mandates or what I'm going to advocate for, which is checking vax cards. I understand that it is, a, it is annoying and it is it sucks to check vax cards, but why the hell did we get vaccinated? Why did we stay indoors for a year and a half? And at this point, we're just kowtowing to a death cult again whether or not you're a death cult who's like a progressive lefty you know you know i whatever like a probiotic death cult or you know or a far right death cult it's the same death cult because ultimately people are blaming one another for their own goddamn death that's what's happening oh i just believe if you just cleanse your body you won't get fuck you all right I'm, I'm clearly, I've been mad about this. I'll stay mad about this for a very long time. Um, it, it is on us to check Vax cards. I know it sucks. I don't even have a digital copy of mine. I'm trying to figure out how to get a digital copy of my Vax card. But I don't want to not do comedy shows or go to a fucking bar anymore because some asshole won't get vaccinated. Homie, you stay home. Let us go out. Because clearly people aren't being honest. And of course, this is all in the wake of the Delta variant. The Delta variant is far more uh, uh, contagious. It's it, and it also actually is far more deadly. Pretty much the two worst things, right? You thought this was going to morph in a good way. It's morphing in a crap way. And I just want to play. This is from uh, a Louisiana medical officer named Catherine O'Neill, who spoke publicly about the kinds of cases that she's seeing in Louisiana, who is being impacted by the Delta variant. Uh, she's naming specifically people in their 30s and 40s who are healthy, otherwise healthy. And she had a plea. And this is what she had to say to the people who are resistant to, to getting vaccinated. That is what Delta variant is. It's coming for us. It's a beast. That's what we're seeing in the hospital. That's why we're nervous. That's why I'm here to talk to you today. Because it's different. I want to be clear after seeing what we've seen the last two weeks. We only have two choices. We are either going to get vaccinated and end the pandemic, or we are going to accept death. A lot of it, this surge and another surge, and possibly another variant. That's it. It's no longer about what you heard on the news or what you think your hesitancy might be. If you don't choose the vaccine, you're choosing death. And you're choosing a surge and another surge. Pandemics last for years. We know that. We're very educated people. Pandemics last for years. The only thing that will stop them is the vaccination. Which one do you choose? We're very intelligent people. Thank you. <laughs> I am not a doctor or a scientist, but I am intelligent enough to believe 
the people who have been studying this for decades. You either choose to get vaccinated or you're choosing death, not just for yourself, but for others around you. My God, are we so up far up our own asses? <sighs> Anywho, oh my God, that was such a fun note to begin this podcast on. <laughs> it gets, it's going to get darker, believe it or not. But uh, y'all, tell me what you're bitching about in the comments section. And uh, thank you so much for bearing with me and just keep each other safe. You know, uh, you know, wear your masks, encourage businesses that you like to frequent to check vaccination cards. Um, and if you are unvaccinated and you do want to go out and enjoy the world, then wear your goddamn mask, put it over your fucking face. And, and that's it. That's it. Does it feel weird that you're the only one wearing a mask? Yeah, it should, but that's the price. That's okay. Wear a mask. All right. With that, I'm going to bring in both of my guests. These are wonderful people, and I need you to know them. She is a comedian, podcaster, and writer whose podcast, Britney's Graham, kicked off the hashtag free Britney movement. Her new pod, Toxic, the Britney Spears story, examines how Britney got into this situation and is now available on Stitcher and Apple Podcasts. Also, her first comedy album, If I Did It, was just released with a special thing records. Please welcome Babs Gray. Hi, thanks for having me. <laughs> Thank you for being here, Babs. Um, how you doing? I'm good. Um, you know, <laughs> I'm recovering. You saw me last night. I had a birthday party and I'm very tired and oh. hungover. So <laughs> glad to be here. <laughs> it was very, it was very, very fun. You had a very polite request for everyone to be vaccinated. Um, and then you played Magic Mike double XL, XL, XLR. Yes. XXL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. XLR. Um, XLR and I, I, I specifically made you sit and watch a scene. I was like, you're going to watch this. <laughs> so thank you for indulging me. It was so fun. It was so good to celebrate uh, everything. I'm excited to talk to you more about Brittany and everything you've been doing. Um, but let me bring in my other guest. He is a member of the Treaty 6-based uh, Matthias Column Cree Nation, also known as Putakawagan. Pudikawagan, I can't do that, located in northern Manitoba, Canada. He is a Winnipeg-based senior campaign specialist with 350.org. He's an award-winning film director, media producer, organizer, facilitator, public speaker, and author on indigenous rights and environmental and economic justice. Please welcome Clayton Thomas Mueller. Hey, what's up, everybody? Thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Clayton. Did I... Pukatawagan? Pukatawagan. Pukatawagan. <laughs> Damn it. Puh, just think puh, like like you know puh. there's those sweatshirts that say like fu university so we got sweatshirts that say puck you university and uh <laughs> wagon. yeah i like it <laughs> puckatawagan i want to visit that sounds i don't know why it feels like that's a very a, famous a very place, beautiful yeah. place <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, well, I'm so glad to have both of you. And obviously you heard me go on and on and on about anti-vaxxers uh, very unsympathetically slash, you know, forgivingly. Yeah, I don't know. I've been I've been kind enough. Let's just be real. Uh, but I want to ask both of you, what are you bitching about? Uh, Babs, what are you bitching about? Oh, let's see. I mean, mine's definitely as important as that. So let me just put that right out there. Um <laughs> I've been, you know, very busy, very stressed out with the world and with Britney Spears lately. So I've been spending my time kind of watching old movies and stuff. And I'd like to bitch about um, things not standing up to your nostalgia, you know, like 
I spent three hours watching Mr. Holland's Opus, and all I can say is that if I had a clone, I think that I would make it watch old films and then tell me if they stood up. The, the test of time, <laughs> kind of like a king uses someone to like, you know, see if there's poison in their food. So anyway, I'm obviously having a really hard time over here. So I'm just annoyed with wasting my time. Mr. Holland's Opus, you thought it was good then, not good now. No. Well, and I'm just mad at my younger self even for having garbage opinions, apparently. I love how you're like trashing Mr. Holland's Opus, but then you just turned on Magic Mike Double XL and we're like, this, oh, now this. That is cinema. That is top 10 of all time. Trust me. <laughs> totally different. Um, if Richard Dreyfus was, yeah, stripping, maybe I would have been <laughs> more into. <laughs> if he could make it clap, yeah. uh, that would. <laughs> I think he's got bad that would be Mr. Holland's yeah. Opus. Yeah, that's how he plays it. Oh, I just say I think that, that he might have bannock bomb though, so making a clap. That's a native term for flat bomb. <laughs> yeah. <But> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> flat bomb. Uh, wait, what is the bomb. term? Yeah. <laughs> bannock okay. that bread they sell at powwows. So right. yeah, it's it's flat. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. <laughs> I, I like I think that's very true. I kind of want the same surrogate, but to watch current movies like I didn't watch Space Jam 2, but I'm like sort of like morbidly curious, but I don't want to sit through the whole thing. Um, Twitter's taking care get, of that is complaining enough about it for me to not watch it, probably. What? Yeah, 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 yeah. I did watch the trailer and I was like, that's it. That's good. I'm good. Well, I just turned 44 yesterday. So, you know, you know, I was born in the 70s and uh, it, it's interesting because like. I'm in this constant thing with my teenage sons where like, I'm like, oh, you gotta see this movie from the eighties, you know? And and then we're watching it and like <laughs> into it. I'm like, oh my like God, I gotta shut this off. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel you on that, uh, that, that app or whatever, you know, to kind of filter. Cause yeah, things don't age well. Um, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> not so much. I'm, um, but that being said, I will force my kids oh, to watch yeah. Breakfast Club and like just Clockwork Orange style, mm. like you know, <laughs> and love it. Um, Clayton, what are you bitching about today? Uh, you know, um, well, I come from a, a First Nation that 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 was significantly impacted, not just by colonization, but by mega hydro development. You know, a lot of our traditional lands are now these mega reservoirs, and a lot of our ancestors are underneath water so that Minnesotans can buy cheap electricity from Manitoba. And, um, you know, for 20 years, I've been fighting against the fossil fuel sector in defense of indigenous communities whose lands have been disproportionately targeted for fossil fuel development, including all these pipelines people might have seen in the news, you know, and all these huge protests from the White House to Canada's parliament to the European Union, you know, all across the planet. And, um, you know, I, I, like everybody else, have been home for... 19 months and you know there's been a lot of silver linings to that i think i've spent more time with my sons than i have in their entire lives in the last two years and uh, well because i'm on the road like three four weeks a month like you know like scrapping with evil people and the governments that they manipulate and um you know so i think the thing i'm bitching about is like the global triple threat you know this this covid pandemic um economic recession on international scale that you know humanity has never seen and the existential threat of the mm -hmm. climate emergency, you know, and all the opportunity, like, you know, I'm one of those guys that always looks at the glass half full. 
And, you know, we have won all the fights, the moral arguments, the scientific arguments, the economic arguments, you know, 12 to 1 jobs from the renewable sector to the fossil fuel sector right now. And these are jobs that allow people not to have to fly to North Dakota or to the tar sands in Alberta or, you know, to some offshore platform in the Arctic or whatever. It's actually be home and build infrastructure and community. Um, you know, and right. and 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 they're well-paying jobs. You know, they're highly sophisticated. You know, well-paying jobs that allow tradespeople and you know and everybody else involved in this blossoming economy, this blossoming new future. You know, and I think the main thing I'm bitching about is that you know when people look at the global triple threat, they get frozen and they don't realize that the threat to the existential you know threat of climate change is you know, localizing power in the interest of globalizing justice. And our last big fight, mm -hmm. you know, we've, we've seen ExxonMobil turn into a junk bond. And our last big fight is the political will of the decision makers, whether it's in the U.S. Congress and Senate or here in Canada at the Parliament or wherever else decision makers are in G8 economies around the planet. There's so much opportunity to create hundreds of thousands, if not millions and millions of jobs and to radically transform our relationship to the sacredness of mother earth and to each other as communities but um you know it, yeah. it just sometimes i get a little beat up and burnt out and um you know that cancer in me kind of makes me want to hide at home and you know just be in my shell but you know we all got to hit the streets and get out there on the land and you know do something about this to move these decision makers into action because that's the fun you know we're in that final scrap i mean these oil companies are still dangerous but we beat them. Um, now, yeah. the now it's the it's possible. that we got to focus on. So that's that's my main thing, you know, because I want my sons to have the mm -hmm. same ability to pick berries and catch fish and go hunting with their grandparents and all the things that, you know, happen in Cree culture. You know, that's all under threat right now, mm -hmm. just like every other culture on the planet dealing with this global triple threat. We don't have to look at it like that. This is an opportunity to build to organize across social movement sectors and race, class, culture, and gender, and to come together in a beautiful way. So, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, that is huge. That's probably one of the most profound what are you bitching about we've had <laughs> next, ever. Next to mine, um, I think, you know, a little lower. I mean, obviously that. next to Babs and like Mr. Holland's Opus being a big letdown, I think that was the <laughs> but but I'm I really want to talk more about that especially um, the ways that people get frozen in in the enormity of this task but let us table that um, and uh, we'll move into that later and we'll we'll sort of dig into it for the sitch um, but let's get into this mm -hmm. week shall we so all the different things happened this week. Facebook and the Biden administration are fighting over vaccine misinformation, which is mostly just for show. They're just kind of like, no, no, you stop, you stop. Uh, General Mark Milley apparently stopped Trump from attacking Iran, uh, which, you know, thanks, bud. Hey, uh, according to The Guardian, the Kremlin had planned to put Trump in the White House to begin with um, because he was, quote, impulsive, mentally unstable and unbalanced, who suffered from an inf inferiority complex tight uh, and Biden's child credit tax uh, child tax credits are kicking in everybody get procreating now um, but for everything else this is the week where 
This was the week where, in a bid to stop Republicans from passing a series of new voting restrictions, Texas Democrats posed on the, go- on the cover of Vanity Fair with their black labs and said they think they're ready for this. Wait, no, sorry, that was uh, Beto O'Rourke, and no, I'm not over it. Uh, no, the Texas Democrats left Texas altogether, and they went to D.C., thereby denying Republicans quorum to pass legislation. Um, they've been in D.C. lobbying for support of a federal for the people bill, which would enshrine voting rights and allow them to work on putting out other fires that Greg Abbott is lighting perpetually. Um, so they met with Joe Manchin, and he initially was like, uh, and I was initially like, you know, maybe he's going to cave to their demands to, you know, end the filibuster and surprise, he says he will not. Um, I mean, it's mostly just par for the course for him. Um, There was a protest inside of the Hart Senate building for voting rights. And among people arrested was Congresswoman, um, uh, Congresswoman Joyce Beatty. There she is being arrested in her, in the Capitol building, in her own like place of work. I mean, she's not a senator, but you know. I wonder if that would have happened if she was in uh, congressional halls as well. There she is being being taken away. Cool, cool, cool. Um, the Texas laws, if you don't know, just to re, uh, just going over all the things that they do. Um, the two new priority voting bills for the state's Republicans would ban drive-through and 24-hour voting, make mail-in voting more difficult, and give partisan poll watchers more authority at voting sites. Imagine the insanity that that would cause. Another provision, which would increase criminal penalties for voting mistakes, has garnered attention, uh, additional attention after the arrest last week of a Houston man, Hervis Rogers, over allegedly voting while on parole, which is illegal in Texas. So let me get this straight. A man was arrested for voting, but no one from the state's Electricity Council has been arrested for letting 200 Texans freeze to death in February, uh, thanks to their negligence. All right. That just making sure we're clear here. Um, the Democrats' tactics are probably not going to work uh, for that long. Greg Abbott is trying to call a special session and specifically vote these reforms through. Uh, and he's, they're trying to arrest them. So furious Republicans have promised not to negotiate over the bill despite the Democratic bloc, instead promising arrests for fleeing lawmakers once they return, decrying them for abdicating their responsibilities and hammering them. This was fun over a case of Miller Lite pictured on one of their getaway buses to the airport, which is weird that Politico would call them getaway buses. Like, what? What are you talking about? The Republican State Leadership Committee and Associated Republicans of Texas launched a joint six-figure ad campaign targeting Texas House Democrats in swing states, calling their move a publicity stunt. And Republican Greg Governor Greg Abbott has already promised a, se- a second special session on August 8th, immediately after the current one expires. So what do you guys think about this story? What does it mean for our democracy that uh, this is the length that Democrats have to go to like stop something from happening? And what do you make of this? Is it just a publicity stunt, Babs? What are, what are your thoughts? Um, I mean, no, I don't think it's a publicity stunt. I think they're doing like the only thing they think they can do. I can't imagine the vibe on that plane. Like, I feel like it's the opposite of going to Vegas or something. You're just <laughs> like, like, no, I don't care how much Miller Light there is. That's probably not a fun, a fun ride. Um, yeah, I, I'm just, I don't know. I'm disgusted. Like trying to just give people free for all will to do what they want at the polls is so scary. Like I, I'm so scared of that. Um, so yes. yeah. 
And who's going to be deputized to like actually be a poll yeah. watcher, you know, depending on the county is like, you can only imagine the crazies that will, will get that job. Uh, Clayton, what are your thoughts on, on this ridiculous country Well, of ours? you know, I mean, I'm not necessarily the most qualified to speak to what's going on in Texas, um, you know, as I live in Canada and, you know, but what I will say is that there is a emergence and has been for some time now of the sacred feminine and of, of the disproportionate, like emotional, political, spiritual, economic, social labor that social movement uh, women leaders carry. And, you know, it's no different in the indigenous rights movement. And here in Canada, you know, because of the political pressure that the prime minister has been facing as a result of, you know, uh, indigenous led uh, campaigns against Canada's uh, whole economy and extractive model related to oil and gas and everything else that they're pulling out of native lands. You know, we've seen across uh, Turtle Island, not just Canada, but indigenous moms, grandmothers, aunties, sisters, cousins step up and lead these struggles um, against, you know, essentially misogyny and white patriarchy and white supremacy in our political system. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, here in Canada, we just saw the prime minister, Justin Trudeau, he's kind of like this, like, Justin Bieber kind of political leader and everybody like sexualizes him and whatever. But, you know, he had to appoint an indigenous uh, governor, Mary Simon, she's Inuk, uh, and not to take any way, anything away from her, she's a warrior and she's been at it since the 70s fighting, you know, for, for indigenous rights. Um, and she's now the official representative of the Queen of England here in Canada. And we just had the first First Nations uh, woman um, elected as the National Chief of Canada at the Assembly of First Nations. And so there's big changes that are happening, I think, across social movement sectors. And so, you know, seeing that brave candidate step up against this attack on democracy and voting um, you know, um, it, it, and get arrested in, in the house of work. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's the same, it's the same story over and over and over again. And I think that people need to understand and start, you know, stepping up a bit in like learning about the history of the civil rights movement, learning about other social movement history and, and, and how none of this is new. It's all cyclical in nature. And I think that's one thing that we got to think about when yeah. we think about the ecological crisis and, and just this, like, this like fear that is coming out of, especially old white men, whether it's in the political sphere or, you know, industry sector or the media sector or whatever, religious sector, um, there yes. is this great imbalance that is being challenged right now, um, you know, by uh, women, um, you know, by the LGBTQ community. I always get the letters wrong. Uh, forgive me, listeners. Um, I'm, I'm going to work on that. But, but there's this movement that's happening that's lifting up this sacred feminine thing that is crushing all these assholes that are attacking, you know, um, um, not just voting rights, but I think that continue to represent that assault by toxic male patriarchy, um, by, by, by white supremacy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I just want to jump in and say that you look at the photos of the, of the, you know, the representatives, right? Like a lot of these state legislators who are Democrats and they're majority women. And a lot of women of color and it like shouldn't be lost on anyone that the amount of backlash that they're facing is very much related to the fact that they're women, that they're people of color. Um, and, you know, you talked about, you know, the fragility of a white male patriarchy that is incredibly on display. And it seems like they're aware of what they're protecting, Texas Republicans. And I want to play a clip. This is from CPAC um, of the lieutenant 
<laughs> of Lieutenant Governor of Texas speaking very openly about why they're passing all these voter restrictions in Texas. And in Texas, we are the last man standing. There are a lot of conservative and red states around the country, but if we fall, America falls. The electoral votes of New York, California, and New York combined together means we could never elect a conservative or Republican to the White House ever again. I can tell you that as the lieutenant governor of this great state that I'm blessed and honored to serve, we're not ever going to let that happen. Wow, that's some tread on me bullshit. So, Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very much so. He's, he's a little snake like, ah! Um, yeah, th this is, I mean, it's hard to hear it, but he's very openly saying that he will ensure that no Democrat wins in the state of Texas, that he's, that very much openly like, no, no, well, this is what we have to do. Look, if Texas goes blue, then we'll lose. We won't get elected ever again. There's an awareness that like voter suppression is necessary for Republicans to even fucking win elections. They can't do it any, they can't do it with gerrymandering, right? They can't, they've already tried. I mean, they've been doing it. The electoral college is already skewed in their favor and there's the Senate already skewed in their favor and they're scared still. I just want to pull up this map of the presidential election from 2020 uh, Trump, 52% um, of the vote. Biden, 46.5% of the vote. We know that Texas is actually a purple state and that it is only a matter of time before it does flip blue. Um, but it's going to be an intense battleground and nine times out of ten, it's people of color who are being uh, suppressed uh, from the vote and turned away. Uh, disenfranchised, I guess, is the way to say it. Um, yeah, I don't know. Babs, any any thoughts? I mean, like you said, it's like he's just straight up saying it. It's so disgusting. I, I feel like they're like the evil, you know, I mean, I'll just say it. I feel like they're just straight up like the evil person in the movie now that at the end is like telling their evil plan and giving everything away. <laughs> and you're like, you're just saying it? Like, really? You're just saying the thing? It's just so obvious. And I can't believe... It's the long monologue late. before you're right like, before just, just kill them. them. <laughs> just, you know. Yeah. We're like, yeah. Okay. Right before we crash. Right. Them. But it's just <laughs> mind blowing to me that, yeah, they're just so obvious. Indeed. And we'll see, you know, we'll see what happens. There's only so much Democrats can, the Texas Democrats can do. My thing is very much going back to mansion, looking at the way the people in DC, cause they're like sitting there, they're like meeting with them. They're getting all these press interviews and, and, and like feel like Schumer and Manchin are like, cool. <laughs> We're not going to be able to help you. <laughs> like, like, thanks. You know, it's, it's just, and, and that's so sad because you hear you have people on the ground being like, yo, we can't hold back this, um, sort of this line any longer, you know, that we're being, we're being clobbered here by these Republicans and Greg Abbott has been really on a war path in Texas. Um, and so it is such a sign. And so obviously I didn't expect Manchin to change his mind about the filibuster because the, the guy is just made of, you know, lies and like, I don't know, use tampons. I think that's just what he's made of, but um, yeah. maybe not even that nice. Yeah. He, yeah. Just mold and lies. And, and so, but at the same time, I'm like, okay, face to face with some of these Democrats who are like, please help us out. Um, still unfazed, still unmoved. 
Anyway, let's move on to the next very bright topic. Actually, a little bit brighter, a little bit, a little, uh, some, some breakthroughs in this story. This is the week where, in the ongoing saga called Oops, We All Collectively Ruined Britney's Life, Britney Spears finally gained the ability to hire her own lawyer. You know, that basic constitutional right afforded to even mass murderers and rapists, except did any of them shave their heads and make themselves less hot? <laughs> I don't think so. Um, so Britney uh, won this this small fight in the in the broader fight to end her conservatorship, and recently had a in an Instagram post that I want to get obviously Babs's opinion about, um, where she writes, or this is sort of like a cute like uh, Pinterest quote that she wrote that she posted: "Take me as I am, or kiss my ass and eat shit and step on Legos," which is <laughs> wonderful. And she goes into basically in a very, very long caption saying she doesn't want to um, perform anymore, especially under the conservatorship, that she doesn't care if you don't like her videos of her dancing on her gram, like in her living room, she's going to keep, she'd rather do that than perform. A little bit of a feeling of like kind of monkey in a cage, like sort of like a, um, that her Vegas um, uh, shows have been like, you know, she she says something about having like people in the audience who are like drunk and high and didn't really appreciate her and just like that feeling. And then and basically like anyone who says otherwise can go fuck off essentially. And I just I want to live my life. There was something else that I meant to mention and maybe Babs can remember. But Babs, your thoughts on this week in the hashtag free Britney movement and how important this step is to ending her conservatorship. Yeah, I mean, it's hugely important. You know, the the lawyer she had before was this guy who got assigned to her from the court the minute she got put into a conservatorship, basically. He's been her, he was her lawyer for 13 whole years. And we know now from reporting that she asked multiple times to try to get out and he never terminated, you know, petitioned to end it. He didn't tell her she could petition to end it. Like he was just not a good legal advocate. And like you said, it was just, I mean, I can't believe she didn't have the option to choose him from the beginning, you know. So the fact that she's gotten um, a strong legal advocate on her side, I think, is huge. And I really hope that we see a, a changing tide here. He, he already is night and day from the, the other guy. So, um, yeah, yeah, I think it's really good. You know, it's looking up. There's a lot more hope to see it end than there was before. You so... Um, I think just it, it's such a funny story how you stumbled into being one of the leaders and big starters of the Free Britney movement um, because of your and Tess's uh, podcast, Britney's Gram, which basically did exactly what I just did, which was look at Britney's Instagram and be like, huh, I wonder what that means, except she was much less <laughs> direct <laughs> back then. And it was supposed to be essentially a comedy podcast, but tell me how it's been now that you've like fallen into this like kind of a, a limelight in a in a really in a pretty cool way I know it overwhelming as well yeah it's a lot um yeah it was a comedy <laughs> podcast you know and we would just look at her posts and in a fun way kind of break them down and we kind of knew you know I didn't really even know what a conservatorship was at that point but we would look at some posts and be like oh like she's talking about like let me shop and no one gets hurt and then she would say literally and you're like oh, right, like, I think she doesn't have control over her money. And you kind of think about it, you know, in that way. And then um, my co-host Tess really started looking at the actual court documents and was like, 
man, this guy, one of her co-conservers was asking for a raise and talking about how well she's doing and that's why he needs a raise. And you're like, wait a minute, but she's in this thing where she can't make any of her own life decisions, but they're asking for more money. So, so that's when we really started investigating. And yeah, kind of, we got a whistleblower who called in and told us all this stuff. And we released this episode called Free Britney. And that just kind of started this whole snowball effect thing. Um, and yeah, it's, uh, it's been, it's been like the biggest roller coaster I've ever experienced in my life. You know, a lot of people thought it was conspiracy theory for a long time. So a lot of gaslighting, yeah. a lot of yeah. just like taking shit from people and not very fun. And, um, it's been really like, like, like hate directed towards you guys in the podcast. Oh, to of course. And yeah. People just that typical stuff. When you, whenever you fight for something, when people are like, why don't you get a life or something, you know, and you're like, yeah, this is what I'm choosing to do with my time. I'm choosing to try and help someone, you know, but um, yeah. yeah, a lot of stuff like that. So it's been extremely hard and I really didn't, I mean, when she spoke out in court, that was like, I've never, I was, you know, it was like being at an NBA finals game. Just like, it was so just like, what's going on? And like, her head was exploding. So it was um, really exciting. And I think just the tides have turned and now we're seeing a whole new, yeah, possibility. So much though. Yeah. I, I want to ask, um, before I go into the the strange solidarity uh, coming from the right on Brittany, um, but what have you learned? Um, I know there's a lot to learn, but about the history of conservatorships and guardianships and like how like, have they always been this sort of sexist and messed up? I know that they often are wielded against supposedly mentally ill people, the disabled, that that is like disability rights have a huge p role to play in this. Um, but also I'm curious of like, you know, the idea that like husbands would put their hysterical wives into like guardianships and, you know, random things like that. But like, yeah, what have you, what have you learned about this, this legal framework? Here? It really started because it's all, a lot of it's in like probate court, people are handle wills and stuff like that. And, um, at least what Britney's in, there's two kind of conservatorships and one's a mental health one, one's more like a money one, which is one of the, okay. one of the huge issues in the first place with her is that if the kind that she should have been put into, if they thought that she had some kind of mental illness that needed help is this thing that renews every year. So you hope the person is getting better. And then you say, Hey, actually they don't need it anymore. She got put into a probate, which is pretty much lifetime. So um, yeah, just one of the many like fucked up things that happened. But so uh, the history of them was basically something where they like, it, it was for women who, whose husbands had died and they were like, okay, well, obviously the woman can't own land. So we got to figure out how right. to control it somehow. Like that's the origin of it. Of wow. course. Jesus. Yeah. yeah. So uh, it's, you know, problematic from the beginning, but um, yeah, it, it, there's a huge issue of them in general, because like you said, they do, they affect, you know, a lot of people who get into conservatorships are disabled people or older people. And um, they're not Britney Spears. They don't have the, you know, resources or the attention on their issue. And so it's really opened up, you know, our eyes to a bigger issue in general of conservatorship abuse in the U S and people who are vulnerable, who get taken advantage of, um, because when you're in one like Britney is, your money pays for everything. So her money pays for all the lawyers who are keeping her in it. All, and all the leeches. I was just going to say leeches. that, all the leeches. Oh my goodness, all the wood ticks. Right? Wow. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> it's, a, it's, really, it's really upsetting. So we've kind of, we get into that on the, on the new podcast, kind of like the bigger world of conservatorships and just, you know, the disability rights uh, issue and, and all that stuff. 
That's awesome. I'm, I'm so glad you guys are continuing to do that. Um, and I wanted to turn, because like I mentioned, there's some surprising solidarity for Britney Spears uh, coming from specifically Republican lawmakers like Matt Gates and Ted Cruz. I don't know which uh, which I'm more disgusted by, but I wanted to show you. Uh, this is Matt Gates, who's currently on his California MAGA tour with Marjorie Taylor Greene, uh, and they are summarily being shut out of a venue after venue because of counter-protests. Um, of course, they'll call it being canceled. Uh, here he is outside of, or as part of a Free Britney um, rally. Britney's been abused by the media, she's been abused by a grifter father, and she has been abused by the American justice system. And so we need to come together and to create a federal cause of action, a federal change in the law that will free Britney and the millions of Americans who are impacted by a corrupt guardianship system that empowers people to take advantage of the weak. That is what we stand for, and that should unite all Americans. There's a lot that still divides us, but one thing we can all agree on is that Jamie Spears is a dick. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh my kids. Kicking off that, that presidential campaign. Jamie Spears is a dick. Vote for me, California. I had not seen that video. Talk about the dog <laughs> wagging the tail. Oh my god. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, that is one thing that we keep saying is it's like free Britney is a bipartisan issue. And that's you cannot say that about most things these days. Uh, Jamie Spears is a dick is a a known, you know, something we can all agree on. But yeah, I you know, I don't I have zero faith that this man is here for, you know, because he actually wants to help anyone. It's obviously just jumping on the bandwagon to get some attention. So, uh, oh my God, of course he, you found out it was happening. It was like, Oh, let me roll up. Like, I know I can get in front of a mic. Yeah. I, you know, I obviously I want, you know, there to be attention on what's going on with her and conservatorships in general. So I'm grateful for attention on that, but I don't have yeah much faith in yeah, that guy looks like the guy who accepts Kids. money for the actual dealer, and he's just the guy on the side that's like, "Give him the money," and he's like, <laughs> he, I, "Yeah, he looks like like yeah, just like the the guy in the the '80s movie that like you know challenges you to the the ski race or whatever, just the like <laughs> yeah, yeah. My father will hear about this, <laughs> um, and he and like look, my man paid 17 year olds on Venmo to have sex with him. So obviously not a beacon of morality. He's got his own court case pending. One more clip of of right wingers supporting Britney Spears. And I have a couple thoughts on this guy. Hear your opinion on Britney Spears. She won, she got a win in court. She's allowed to hire a lawyer of her own choosing. I know that you're cheering her on. Tell me why. Well, because I think what's happened to her is, is ridiculous it's, and it's unjustifiable. I, I am unequivocally in the free bit Britney camp. Uh, you know, she is a 39-year-old woman. She's a grown woman. And yet for a dozen years, the California courts have had her in a conservatorship where she can't make basic decisions about her life. She can't access her finances. She can't make her own health care decisions. Her father runs her life. In my household, my children run my life. They make me go to Cancun. Like I said, they made me go to a gun to my head. Uh, No, first of all, okay, two things. One, he's clearly trying to dunk on California, right? Like, oh, liberal California with its conservatorships. And number two, and I want to know what you guys think. 
if Britney got pregnant and couldn't have an abortion, do you think any Republican would stand by her choice to do to have autonomy over her reproductive rights? No, absolutely no. not. Well, I think that's one of those juxtapositions I mean, yeah, of this yeah. that makes it so disgusting and like, like really, like just sad and offensive. Um, it's just the, you know, the hypocrisy. Totally. She wants to have another baby, you know, like, oh, that's great. But if she did anything, if she like posted a Black Lives Matter thing, they'd be like, she is an abomination. Like, watch how the right will turn on her. I mean, Babs, you will be on this story uh, for longer than you might want, but you're in it now. <laughs> I'm in it. And I and I, I guarantee that the right will throw her under the bus. And in, in addition to tabloids that have made a killing, you know, um, tearing her life apart and and... I will yeah. say she did post a, a, a years ago, she posted a picture with a, a shirt saying we are all dreamers in support of the Dream Act. So that was a yeah. good that was a good moment. Yeah. Okay, Brittany. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. Well, let's move on to our final story. Um also I said it was gonna get grim and uh it is. Um so this was the week uh where uh, the Penelocket tribe in British Columbia announced they had found 160 graves in the southern Gulf Island, which was once home to the Cooper Island Residential School, who survivors have referred to as the Canadian Alcatraz. Many of the deaths were from children who were trying to escape this school and swim to anywhere else and died. This is on top of the 182 human remains found outside of a school in Cran uh, Cranbrook, British Columbia, and two other church-run schools, one of more than 600 unmarked graves at the Maryville uh, Residential School in Saskatchewan, and another of 250 bodies outside of, outside of the Kamloops Indian Residential School. Um, the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, which I believe, uh, Clayton, you can tell me more, but is a commission set up by the Canadian government, has reported more than 4,000 Indigenous children in residential schools dying from either neglect or abuse. Um, Clayton, just just your reaction um, to all of this, and, and, and maybe if you can shed light on, if you know why we're finding out, why, why these graves are being discovered now, the atrocities we know have been going on, that has been documented, but why now? Well, I think for all everybody tuned in, that's gonna watch the cast later, you know, it's important to understand that residential schools have not ended. They've just changed the way that they look within the system of the settler colonial state, whether it's the United States of America or Canada, or other settler colonial states where they had church-run work camps where they would steal the children and um, you know partner with schools to you know quote the first prime minister of Canada educate the Indian from the child um, or sorry to kill the Indian from the child and uh, you know it was interesting yesterday here yes. in my province in Manitoba you know the 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 minister of um, Indian Affairs and Reconciliation um, resigned, or sorry, the day before, and 10 minutes into the swearing in of the new minister, who actually happened to be Métis, um, was sworn in by the uh, premier of our province, which is like the governor in the United States. Um, and, 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 and basically, you know, this guy within 10 minutes started defending residential schools during this time where thousands and thousands of unmarked graves are being discovered and where there are tens of thousands Jeez. of indigenous peoples who survived, you know, and we should be celebrating them and telling their stories, right? Um, they survived and they got to listen to this guy because it was on the national news. And, uh, you know, my colleague, uh, the, 
the leader of the NDP opposition party here in our provincial legislature, interrupted the press conference. You know, this guy named Wab Kanu, he's Anishinaabe, and he's the son of residential school survivors, as am I, and as are many from, from my generation. Um, and, you know, it, it was just a really painful thing to hear this, like, elected leader defending residential schools when we've had a multi tens of millions of dollar government study, you know, to, to, to create 94 recommendations for truth and reconciliation over a hundred years of the abduction of children uh, by the Royal Mounted uh, Canadian Police, which is the equivalent of the FBI in the United States. They were created to literally enforce residential school policy and go into First Nations and steal kids every year. Chilling. That is, that is, Oh yeah, and it happened in the states too, you know. And so, you know, right. there has been, um, you know, independent studies and pressure on the federal government of Canada on Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and his cabinet. Um, you know, Deb Haaland, you know, big big fists up to the Secretary of Interior Deb Haaland, who is Indigenous, for calling on an yes. investigation of every U.S. Um, you know concentration camp for Indian kids. That's what these schools were. Um, you know, as part of an apartheid policy, um, you know, to, to use ground penetrating radar to identify unmarked graves because, you know, the, the way the government of Canada, whether it was a conservative or a, a, a central or a leftist party running the government over the last 150 years has all said the same thing. And that is that, that, oh yeah, a lot of kids died from tuberculosis. These are mass graves, but they're not, you know, and you match what is currently mm. being unearthed the testimony of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, where they interviewed tens of thousands of survivors of these schools, where the federal government of Canada literally had to apologize, class action lawsuit. You know, my mom was one of those people. She got a little bit of money, but the process she had to go through mm -hmm. to get that, you know, that little tiny bit of money for what she experienced, you know, through this cultural genocide um, was, 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 was a re-traumatizing. And, and now we've got this as a yeah. political football. Canada is going into a federal election at some point here in the next month or two. And, uh, you know, we see these conservative mm -hmm. assholes, you know, trying to, trying to, you know, s make this political. Like there was a protest last week here in Winnipeg where I live where Native people ripped down the statue of Queen Victoria who signed the original Indian treaties here in Canada, you know, back in the birth of this uh, settler colonial state. They ripped the statue down, and the, the 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 premier in my province, Brian Palliser, you know, instead of just being like reverent and like, whoa, I understand where these people are coming from, he's like, yo, we're gonna persecute every one of these people, and he basically like denied climate change, and that's why the former minister of Indian Affairs resigned here, and this new asshole came on and tried to do this press conference, and the official leader of the opposition party, Wab Kanu, stepped up and shut his ass down and was like, I am a member of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, an honorary member, and I cannot accept you saying these things and defending residential school when we've already won that debate. We know it was wrong. And yeah, uh, yeah go ahead. It it's really it's chilling to me because and it's timely because we are now in this moment in the United States, um, which, again, there were uh, Indian residential schools, native residential schools here in the States as well. But that where we're hearing like critical race theory is 
coming for you, that like this is, you know, that that's the cultural genocide, that that's going to, you know, ruin our children. Meanwhile, we have, you know, gravesite after gravesite after atrocity being discovered of literal genocide of of what it actually means to um to indoctrinate to terrorize children with a um with a specific racial superiority agenda in mind you know a and to think that some of these right wingers are probably like well if you teach about residential schools that is racist in and of itself. I don't know whether the right in Canada is, I wasn't clear on whether you were saying that they were feeling like that oh, that's no, their it, line now. Yeah. Um, I mean, there, there is all kinds yeah. of deflection, um, you know, and, 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 and the rejection of, 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 of his story history. And um, you know, the fact of the matter <laughs> is, is that, is that, you know, racists are afraid again. And I think that's the truth too, in the lower 48 in Alaska and, 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 and I think that, you know, indigenous peoples, you know, and we saw that with Standing Rock, we don't need the mainstream media anymore for our stories to, to cross over to, you know, the so-called dominant society. Uh, and, and native storytellers, indigenous innovators on digital platforms, like, like, you know, like what you're doing, you know, reaching out in the world and, you know, um, bringing together unlikely bedfellows to like make a freaking point about justice, <laughs> you know, um, yeah. I think is really powerful. And that's certainly happening in the native community. And, you know, with, with, with this residential school stuff, this is a, a, an unstoppable force. These are children that have been waiting to come home, be discovered. And from a native worldview and cosmology perspective, it's like, I saw this painting that this taught, like this youngster did, I think she might have been eight and it went viral on Facebook and it was mm -hmm. all these children flying towards the sun out of these discovery points. And, you know, and for me as a father wow. and as a, as a, you know, like as a, as a global campaigner, like, like fighting for justice and, you know, against colonialism, you know, fighting for reparations, you know, for those impacted by colonialism, you know, and working towards healing for those of us that, that have post-traumatic stress from residential schools and the intergenerational impacts of that and the way that it affected our family. Um, you know, I, I feel very emotional about, you know, this moment in time, because, you know, these political decision makers, whether it's, you know, climate change or an issue like this, they're just making it political and they're not actually doing anything. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I shame Justin Trudeau, the prime minister of Canada, and I shame Joseph Biden, um, you know, and any other leader of any of these settler colonial states that have not done right by the native person, by the oldest brothers and sisters of, of all of the people that have come together in these settler colonial state melting pots, you know, there is a there is a healing and a reckoning that needs to happen that goes beyond apologies. Um, you know, and I and, yeah. I, and I and I feel very strongly that the, the, the spiritual force of these youngsters coming home um, and, and the release that is allowing for of the survivors and for those of us that are children of survivors that have kids you know it feels like that scene in that marvel movie i don't want to be a spoiler but where one of the marvel characters opens up this dead star <laughs> to create this weapon to kill a evil person and the, the star's energy blasts through them that's how it feels to be a parent right now a native parent protecting your kids and they all have freaking iphones they all see the what's going on but we're trying to protect mm -hmm. them from the worst impacts of what the frick happened. And I think that what the viewers and listeners mm -hmm. need to understand about this topic, and I'll end here, is that residential schools never close. They're just called child and family services now. 
And I don't know about the rest of like Turtle Island, North America, but here in Manitoba, there are more kids in care right now by, by non-native families and living in hotels with social workers than there were in 150 years of residential school policy of kidnapping our children, cutting their hair when they speak their language. Wow. Um, and, 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 and so, you know, the fight continues, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for, for mm. breaking that down. Um, I, I really, really appreciate that. And, uh, I think, I think we have so much, I think that healing, that healing and, and that justice, I think will be, um, I don't know. I think it's necessary, or I think the just the seeking of justice will be healing for all. And I've always I feel that way. And I think too often we um, see uh, these struggles as outside of us. If we're not native ourselves, if we're not you know black, if we're not you know whatever. Oh, that's not my struggle. That's that doesn't you know what is that? How does that impact me? And I think you know having benefited from this country from the colonization of North America. I think all of us are implicated and all of us have a lot stand to benefit. And the segue is that I think a lot of, um, a lot of your work has linked protecting indigenous rights and land and land rights to climate justice and climate change and making sure that those two things go hand in hand. And obviously you referenced Standing Rock. And mm -hmm. I think that was a big piece for a lot of, it was a wake up call for a lot of folks who weren't um, linking those issues. But how do you see that now in terms of um, like, what is it about um, stopping climate change that is in, that is linked to protecting indigenous land and rights? And how can we actually, is that more than just a, that'd be nice if we could, how can we actually do that? How do you see that actually well, playing I think, out? I think what people need to understand is that, you know, you, you don't just get to this point where you have these corporations and individual families who have incredible resources, like, like Elon Musk kind of resources, you know, where they, you know, they literally can get in a dick-waving contest with other billionaires to fly to the moon when there's world hunger and climate change and COVID and economic recession, right? Right. Um, yeah, like, like, like we're, we're at a moment in time right now where we have incredible opportunity to change our relationship, you know, to reevaluate and change our relationship with Mother Earth, you know, spaceship home, whatever you want to call it from your world Spaceship no. home. I like yeah, that. Never you know, even heard and, it, but and, I like and, it. And and the fact <laughs> of the matter is, is that, you know, climate change and indigenous traditional ecological knowledge um, are inextricably linked in terms of like, how do we move forward? You know, and when you know, people like who know me, they know I'm a pipeline fighter, you know, a land defender, a water protector, you know, we're trying to stop the world's largest industrial project in the history of, of humankind, the tar sands in Alberta. You can see this shit from outer space. It's so big. Third largest petroleum reserve of unconventional oil, which means dirtier as far as carbon dioxide. And, and there was a mm, victory mm, in that mm, fight. There, when it comes to Keystone XL, the victory that you and I know Joshua Con Russell, shout out to him. We're, we're integral well, yeah, to. you know, and that's the thing. Like, 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 like Keystone XL. Many, many people know about that fight because it was it was very high profile, but. You know, there was a half a dozen um, um, tar sands pipelines, you know, proposed. And there's some big fights right now. Line 5 Enbridge, you know, across the Great Lakes, um, you know, uh, Line 3 
is a battle that's waging. You know, Joseph Biden yes. talked about, you know, and, and, and showed incredible leadership upon his election with some of the, you know, the presidential orders, including, you know, reversing Trump's order on approving Keystone XL. You know, they put out this infrastructure bill and had a ton of, you know, amazing things in there about, you know, you know, solving the climate crisis. And there was a lot of environmental justice stuff in there. But then he turned around and approved mm-hmm. line three, which is this tar sands pipeline that will like almost double the size of Canada's tar sands. And so, you know, like people need to understand how political this shit is and like understand that we've all got to do a little bit more than changing light bulbs or buying an EV car. That stuff's important. But that, you know, if you read the reports about how Exxon manipulated climate science since the freaking 70s and before, like since the 50s, essentially, um, part of that agenda mm-hmm. was to dupe individual citizens into believing that this is on you, when in reality it's on the military industrial complex or fossil fuel centered agricultural complex or fossil fuel transport economy, whether it's trucks or, you know, big ships or whatever. Um, And we've got a part. Thanks, Al Gore. That was the worst part. I'm sorry, let's all agree that that was the fucking worst part of Inconvenient Truth was like after this whole treatise on like <laughs> climate change, then like the like the postscript where there's like the credits are running and like change your light bulbs to, you know, f- like whatever, uh, you know, can- incandescent yeah, or whatever the hell they are. With, uh, I, don't I don't change mine. I, I have an ugly light bulb. I'm not, I'm mad about it because I'm like, I know this is better for the uh, environment. It's disgusting terrible. light. The point <laughs> is, is that was, yeah, that's terrible. And it was just so, it was such a letdown. It was like, it, and I and you're right that that really did, it had a huge impact on how people in, you know, North America viewed and, and Europe um, viewed like yeah. their role. It's not, we got to go to war against these companies. It's, I got to go to war yeah. against myself and me being a terrible person of, you know, for not, you know, for having a straw <laughs> and whatever, like, you know, which arguably the right makes fun of. And it's like, yeah, because the actual real badass answer is we got to change yeah. this entire fossil fuel capitalist structure well, right that now. That was the point I wanted um, to make is that capitalism is the actual problem. Yeah. You know, tar sands, plastics, uh, you know, pet- petroleum based pharmaceuticals, you know, the, the petrochemical industry, like, all, you know, like all that stuff are symptoms of the problem, the pollution impacts and health impacts, treaty rights and human rights impacts that they create are all part of the problem. And what the problem is, is capitalism. And what the what 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 is the solution is, you know, some people are calling it the Green New Deal. Here in Canada, we're calling it uh, the Just Transition Act. You know, we're calling for this 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 massive government intervention to create millions of jobs that leaves no worker behind. That's a partnership with indigenous peoples mm-hmm. and you know workers and communities who are most impacted by the transition off of fossil fuels. And all the while, we're fighting towards an election here coming this 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 late summer. Canada's on fire. We have thousands and thousands of wildfires in the most important carbon sink on the planet, which makes up almost I think like a sixth country the boreal forest and it's on fire and you know our government is still subsidizing fossil fuel they're still bought a pipeline justin trudeau is still in the pocket of big oil companies instead of creating millions and millions of jobs to transition our economy to this new economic paradigm you know yeah Mm-hmm. You know, what's interesting to me is like, you know how back in the day, like even just 15 years ago, people will be like, well, 
will have to transition to alternative energy because we will reach peak oil and there will be no more oil. The end. <laughs> and it's like, no, motherfucker. First of all, we will fight like world wars over that oil and have, uh, number one, until it's all gone. Number two, we're not reaching peak oil. And I think the other part about it is that all these very... Um, all of the people that did this ignored the science that fomented the destruction we're, uh, yeah. that we're seeing are still living to see it, which is the, it's like amazing. So, you know, heat wave in the Pacific Northwest, wildfire season already in California, flooding in Europe, uh, flooding in New York. Um, the, the record temperatures in Canada are just insane. Like when Canada gets that, that hot, we're like, oh shit. Like there's like, Fires in Siberia right now. In Siberia the other day. So what I love about I there I hate this. Obviously, I hate it. Everything's bad. But like what's what I love about it is is it like these fools haven't blasted off to Mars yet. They have to sit here and look at what they've actually done in the climate emergency as mm -hmm. Greta Thunberg and yourself and everyone else who's right says is like it's here. It is here. So we have to deal with it now. You can't, you cannot punt this football. Um, and I guess my question for you is when you know it's yeah. so bleak, right? I can't see a koala running out of a fucking forest. Otherwise I'll like cry for an hour. And it's, yes, I am soft. Uh -huh. And that is also like, yeah. there, you know, yeah. I am not that koala. It's just very painful to watch. But how do you overcome that, um, that cynicism, that despair? Well, you know, I can't speak for other, 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 you know, other, other cultures and worldviews. You know, there, you know, we have so much diversity in ways that people absorb information and ways that people become advocated to fight for justice. But I know for me, um, you know, I have these beautiful sons, Felix and Jackson. You know, one's twelve and the other's fifteen, and you know, everything I do is about trying to give them the same opportunities to connect with nature. Because um, that's the big sickness, mm -hmm. eh? at least in Western economies, is that there's this huge gap inside our chests. And the only way people have been filling it was with consumerism and, you know, and, and, and consumption and just like, ah, it's like a sickness of greed. And the only cure to it that I've found is a connection with nature and uh, reevaluating our relationship mm -hmm. to nature. And then in, I think as a man, like a cis guy, like that's kind of like a... a, a you know, you're reconnecting with that sacred feminine, you know, I don't know what that is, but that birth, that recreation of like creation instead of like domination. And, 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 and so, mm -hmm. you know, that's the thing I want to encourage people to do is like, you know, get off your devices and get out, go for a walk. You know, that sounds stupid and cheesy, but it, you know, it's, it, it keeps me sane. I've been ending my work days and going to the park over here, taking my shoes off. And, and practicing mindfulness, you know, and I'm doing that for other reasons too, um, nice. you know, to be a better dad and, and whatnot and deal with stress better. But, but I will say that like, you know, this stuff is very daunting. And at the end of the day, mm -hmm. like, you know, you know, I go back to the whole idea about like localizing power in the interest of globalizing justice. And, you know, the fact of the matter is, is that community uh, self-determination is fundamentally like like inextricably linked to economic self-sufficiency how whatever that means um it needs to be designed in a way that is you know like accurate to your biosphere the place where creator puts you and your 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 your, your crew your fam 
and uh, and you have to talk to the rest yeah. of the community about what you do and we you know while you change your life you know don't be a like you know like you know like like one of the people i might have met when i lived in san francisco in northern california like all airy and like oh yeah whatever i'm you know i'm eating better or you know i'm eating atcha berries and whatever almond yeah. milk you know do that you know, change those light bulbs, get that electric car, but, you know, dedicate 70% of your social movement, volunteerism and activism to supporting frontline struggles, um, you know, that are actually targeting systemic targets that are the big polluters, that are the actual ones that are changing the chemistry of the planet. And, you know, push these political leaders yeah. like Biden, like Justin Trudeau here in Canada, you know, like leaders in the European Union, other big uh, carbon polluting states like Australia, for example, and 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 you know, let's let's like, let's get together, organize, organize, mobilize, organize, organize, mobilize. We like we have to remember the past. And you know, when I, I guess what I'll end in conclusion on that question is like you know, Greta Thunberg, you brought up September twenty seventh last year, she came to Canada on a sailboat, and you know, and on September twenty seventh, seven million kids marched across the planet you know, uh, uh, against, um, you know, against climate change and, and, and these profiteers off climate change. And here in Canada, it was over, it was over a million. And in my home here in Winnipeg, Damn. it was over 20,000. And, you know, I was up there on the steps, you know, with my two sons, you know, and watching these kids come off of buses. And these are like grade three and shit. Like some of them were so small, they had to climb down like with like their tummy, like to get off the bus. <laughs> and they had these like Justin Trudeau's shut down the pipelines. And like, and you got to think back to the it. social movement history of the civil rights movement, Selma, Alabama. It wasn't until the kids came out that the cops stopped busting heads and that all those liberal white guilt yeah. rich people in northeastern U.S. started funneling money to Dr. King and, you know, everybody else during that time, lunch counter, sit-ins, Rosa Parks and all the other bus sitters. And it, it, it was a big moment and i feel that moment coming right now in this intersectionality between black lives matter standing rock i don't know more um you know all these different movements and yes. uh, especially and now the children yeah. have joined in, you know and, and we're going to start seeing record leaps and jumps in terms of what's possible and shifting the overton window yeah babs do you have any um nieces or nephews we can uh strap signs too and make look real cute out there oh, in yeah. the uh, front lines. Oh yeah, I'm working on it. <laughs> There's nothing like uh that's what NATO says. He when he had like twin girl, he he has twin twins and he would like whenever they would go out with their signs, he's like there's nothing more powerful than two white little white girls <laughs> being like Yeah, I advocating write the for clever something. signs and then they go viral so it's like they get something out of uh -huh. it, the world gets something out of it, you know. They'll get some followers, um, but yeah, Babs. Any any thoughts on on all this? Does it? Are we? Yeah, I don't know. Like, how how do you take that this challenge of our moment and um, apply it? I, I I started composting, <laughs> but I also I also really I do think that there's something deeply fulfilling about organizing. There, it feels like it's going to be hard, and it is. And there's a lot of weirdos out there. But then there's a lot of Clayton Thomas Mueller's and wonderful leaders, and and it and it is incredibly empowering and satisfying. Um, and uh, yeah, more people should try it. Yeah, I mean, um, I think for me, it's easy. Like you said, it's easy to get cynical and all that stuff. Like you said, so um, just hearing, you know, hearing this discussion and hearing Clayton talk about it is inspiring to me. And um, 
makes me want to like reinvigorate myself as far as that fight goes. So I think just, yeah, just making sure that, like you said, you go outside and appreciate what's out there and think how we can, how we can save that. And also just to keep yourself motivated by, by, you know, just tuning into things like this and remembering that we are all in this together. No, a hundred percent. I know you are very busy freeing Brittany, but yes, this is, this is step one, Brittany freed step two, change the world. It's all coming together. It's all uh, part it of is, the same thing. It's all part of the ecosystem. I'm going to, before we have a last segment, I know we're going long. And so just thank you so much, Babs and Clayton for, for sticking with me. Um, but we've got some lovely commenters, people watching, people tuning in. Thank you so much for the super chats, all of you. Uh, wonderful, wonderful folks. Uh, Malik Walker writes in on YouTube about vaccines, immunocompromised person here. And yeah, I was on my back for two weeks after my second shot, but I got up. Death is permanent. Right Take the shot, people. Thank you, Malik. Appreciate you sharing that. And also, for yes, for getting vaccinated. On Texas, uh, Greg Elise Mitchell, Texas government desperately clinging to white minority rule. 100%. On Brittany, Regal Chief on Twitch, a privileged white man complaining about an American justice system. Oh, nice. Man. <laughs> yeah. He's like, it's so unfair. Um, indigenous residential schools, Clark Griswood on YouTube, my man. My Manitoba Cree grandmother was f uh, forbidden to tell anybody of her indigenous heritage from fear that she and her brothers and sisters would all end up in residential schools and by now in mass mm. graves. Wow. Wow. Thanks so Thanks, much Clark. for sharing that, Clark. Uh, and Trevor Pin Pinaki, Trevor Pinaki on uh, Twitch, many of these schools were run by the Catholic Church. Yes, the Catholic Church has yet to apologize. Not that that means that much, but... They write, I'm pretty amazed how little backlash they seem to be getting for once again being involved in the mass abuse of children. Absolutely. On climate change, Marcus George Lamprey on YouTube, humans have the capacity to solve the problem. They do not have the political will. It's far more important than Bezos has a second house on Mars. Bro. Yeah, get that guy. Exactly. The fucking just yeah. dissolve Bezos. Just ex expropriate Bezos. Melanie D44, it reached 118 degrees on ground level in the Arctic Circle last week or sometime the week before that. No, I, I just like, why? Why are we? Every week it's like, oh, this ice shelf is. Confetti. Eh. Mm -hmm. It's goodbye. Yeah. Uh, and, and Marcus George, again, you won't get any justice without social justice. We have to entirely restructure world society. That's the scale. 100%. And, and look, this is why, you know, we should, if you are a socialist or if you have those inklings, be proud about it. Be proud because look at what capitalism has done. Um, yeah, there's nice sneakers. You might get a cute dress, but, you know, there's no dresses on a dead I mean, planet. This, there's no, this thing's there's really no jobs. Cute. This is cute, but I would give it up if we could like breathe air, you know, in yeah, I mean, that is a plant that that's living. This is so fake. there you go. This is <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> Babs just held up a very cute little like porcelain duck, but she is willing to give it up. Um, so hear ye, hear ye. You heard it here first. Um, uh, and everyone, patreon.com slash habituation room to support this show and all of these wonderful conversations that we have. Um, and f final segment uh, is, is, oh yes, final segment. Given this, the reticence around vaccines, whatever your re rationale, whatever you've read, whatever you've believed, um, who would get you to take anything, any vaccine, a supplement, buy something, um, follow them to the ends of the earth. Who is it for you? 
other than Olivia Rodrigo if you're under the age of 22. Um, this is, what are we calling this section? Celebrity Pied Piper. That's right. Celebrity Pied Piper. Um, who's your Celebrity Pied Piper? Uh, I'll go first. Um, to, well, a couple thoughts. But mine is Jennifer <laughs> Aniston. <laughs> Jennifer Aniston could sell me, I mean, I don't know. She could sell me anything. She could sell me lint. She could make lint sexy. She was the face of Aveeno for a while, like the, the lotion. And she, the, the ad was so perfect. She was like, it's just Aveeno. And she like was like, shh, it's just Aveeno. It was like a secret. And I was like, oh my God, Jen's telling me a secret. Jen's giving me her like secrets to being 53 and hot, like looking amazing. And I was just like, oh my God. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm not proud. I'm not proud that I got the Jennifer Aniston haircut, the Rachel, when I was <laughs> 13 or whatever and I was like give me the Rachel um the I think the supercuts lady tried Super and it wasn't bad but yeah but I do to me I think that well I'll, I'll talk about it later but yeah my my person is um Jennifer Aniston um Babs who who would who's your celebrity Pied Piper um okay going back to Magic Mike XXL I'm gonna say Channing Tatum uh I would, I don't want him to sell the vaccine, but I'm just saying I would accept the vaccine from him in some form of DNA. And that's all I'll say. <laughs> Whatever. I feel like if he was, you know, putting the, the vaccine out there, we might have a better chance. You mean if it was on, if it was on the, like if you injected it through his dick, you'd be like, yes, let's do this. <laughs> It's or guys, the vaccines like, on Channing Tatum's dick or something. I don't know. Whatever, you know, <laughs> just something like that. It's in his mouth. It's on <laughs> his sweat. You just touch him. <laughs> like, there's. I forgot. There's some like community in like Malaysia or something where like one person is designated as a like sacred being and you he has to like traverse he's like one monk and he's got to like traverse this entire like square with all these other monks and they have they want to touch him and it's like it's a I don't know if I'm explaining it but that's what I want for Channing just like all of a sudden if you touch his sweat or touch yes, his body if he you trekked around the world and was able to yeah if you just touched him and then yeah. he also did like a sexy dance just every once in a while for the entertainment portion I'm just saying, I think we've got it solved there. Channing, please, if you're listening, <laughs> which I'm sure you are, do it for science. Do it for the continuation of the human race. Um, I'm getting some uh, LL Cool J, Patrick Stewart. Ooh, that's Ooh, a good one. Patrick Stewart. Uh, Bob Dylan, Mark Ruffalo, and Kristen Bell. Okay, together. Would they have to do that together? Um, Patton Oswalt, Dana Gould, Gilbert, God Gilbert Gottfried. All right, I'm not going to judge. Clayton, who's your celebrity oh. Pied Piper? Get you to you do know, anything? You I, know, I, I had like a native celebrity Pied Piper that could get me to do anything, but like, I asked, like y'all are talking about some super Hollywood ones. So I feel kind of like, but I got to, <laughs> I got to give a shout out to Ellen Gabriel. You know, she was the leader of the Oka crisis and has been a leader, uh, an indigenous, uh, you know, Mohawk matriarch uh, from Kanesatage. Um, you know, and right now is involved in a big land fight, you know, to protect her community, her First Nation from 
uh, the town of Oka and their attempts to redevelop the area that the 1990s Oka crisis, which is the largest mobilization of Canadian military since the Korean War against Mohawk warriors oh, wow. led by grandmothers. And she was, you know, a young woman at that time, but stepped up and um, was one of the big leaders. And I remember watching her when I was 12 years old and that was the first time when I was native, you know, like where I was like, I, I felt proud to be native, I guess is what I want to say. Cause I saw this yeah. like, like woman that yeah. reminded me of my mom who was a single mom raising me growing up. And, and, you know, and I was with my mom watching her, like, you know, basically tell, you know, the Canadian government to go fuck themselves. Right. And like, you know, and, and she's been doing that ever since. And that when I became older and became a campaigner and an organizer, I, we've become good friends and she's a mentor. And, you know, I would follow her to the ends of the earth and I would do anything that, that she would tell me to do. And there's a lot of other, you know, grandmothers and aunties out there that, that that's my job. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. But as far as like really yeah. famous people, uh, uh, River Phoenix, you know, he's dead now, but uh, <laughs> River Phoenix, River. Man, my own private Idaho, that shit changed my life. And I just, Aww. I think he's the greatest actor on earth and, and, and it, just the performance and the way it moved me as a young, as a young man, that, that, and then he, mm. you know, often died. And then my next actor was Keith Heath Ledger, and then he died. So I don't know. Ah, so so <laughs> tragic. <laughs> but yeah, this could like you know you pick. I don't know. Give me. Then you're gonna be like Philip Seymour. <laughs> damn it! Like, oh, exactly. Ah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. No. The yeah River Phoenix. That's true. I mean, let's be real. Mm -hmm. uh, he's he 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 might have been in Magic Mike uh, <laughs> one and two. Yeah. Were he alive? Um, but yeah, that is, I think having elders and have, and that's the other thing is that people are believing a lot of the misinformation because they don't have elders and people in their community or like, uh, you know, a local doctor that they do trust. We've got horrible distrust in our medical system for a lot of good reason. But then obviously when you have instances like this, which we real never have, <laughs> we like rarely have. Um, we're like, oh shit, well, this distrust in our healthcare system and the fact that people have to pay through the nose for healthcare and don't have healthcare, it's like, that's a problem. Um, anywho, Clayton Thomas Mueller, where can people find you and your work? Thank you so much for being here. Um, actually, I do know 350.org slash on dash fire is your campaign. Can you tell us yeah, quickly about sure. that campaign? I mean, you know, I mean, my team uh, that I'm a part of here in Canada, you know, we're part of a global network. Um, you know, I uh, mean, 350, you know, we're based out of Brooklyn, New York City, but we're a global campaign organization, uh, you know, fighting to uh, end the era of the fossil fuel sector and usher in, you know, a new economic paradigm that leaves, uh, you know, nobody behind. And, uh, you know, here in Canada, you know, we're trying to stop the, uh, the biggest um, petroleum project, construction project in the history of mankind, the Canadian tar sands. And right now this summer, you know, we're raising profile, like, uh, you know, people check out my Instagram, my Twitter, my Facebook, and you'll see pictures of my sons and I on my, it's my birthday, this birthday weekend, we were out on the lake and, you know, thank you. Happy and, uh, but the skies here in Manitoba are covered in smoke. Like the sun is red, like sun setting here now. And it's been like that for, I think all across Canada, you know, a lot of communities, including Lytton, BC, um, you know, I've been really affected. Lytton burned down. It was the place in Canada which broke the heat record in the history of recording heat in the country three days in a row a couple weeks ago. And on the fourth day, 90% of the, the city burned to the ground and uh, and also the local First Nation adjacent to it. And, and so, you know, things are real right now. And so, you know, we're asking people to sign a petition to put pressure on Prime Minister Justin Trudeau 
to you know divest from the Trans Mountain Pipeline, um, you know to usher in uh, Just Transition Act legislation, um, you know that supports workers impacted by the transition off of fossil fuels. When I think you know important, most importantly, communities um, like communities those those First Nations in the tar sands. Um, to give them the supports they need to transition their economies as well. But, you know, essentially we need massive, massive government intervention in the climate crisis, not just here in Canada, but in the U.S. and I think across Mother Earth um, at a scale like post-World yeah. War II kind of economic, like government intervention kind of stuff. Um, but through the lens of JEDI, justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion, and, um, you know, and, and we got to, yeah, Ooh. we all got to be JEDIs and we got to, you know, that's the that's gonna be the title of this episode, Jedi. Cool. I like it. I'll leave it at that. But yeah, check um, out the website, and um, um, I just want to plug real quick too. You know, I, I, my memoirs dropping on August twenty fourth in the U.S. and Canada through Penguin Publishing. It's called Life in the City of Dirty Water, and it's all about being native and what it's like to grow up in the inner city. And you know, the book asks the question. Um, you know, it's a memoir, and it asks the question: What's it going to take for all of us, not just us native people, but everybody? To heal from the violence of colonization, and I look forward to um, having a conversation with, with 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 friends and family and communities across Mother Earth about that question. I love it. Oh my gosh, everyone, look out for that memoir. Thank you so much, Clayton. Take very good care. Try and stay cool and and get outdoors. And Babs Gray, where can people find you and your work? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter, Babs Gray, Instagram, Babs underscore Gray. And yep, Toxic, the Britney Spears story, it's out right now on all podcast apps. Um, it's a 10 episode series and it's up to episode three right now. And it's kind of like serial meets Britney Spears, I guess is the best way I can describe it. We It's very yes. like produced and um, we really, like I said, we tell you how it all happened. And then we kind of are going to zoom out and then talk about the bigger issue at hand. So it's been a lot of work and um, just check it out. I have another podcast as well called lady to lady. It's a comedy podcast and we feature uh, funny ladies on it. So check that out as well. So good. Both of those podcasts are great. Um, and yeah, thanks so much, Babs. Take good care. And thank you all for being here. Thank you for, for, for super chatting and for subscribing on Twitch to Detroit Microsound, Arthur Ashbrook, Kev Z247, Detroit Microsound, again, Anthony Weiner, Ken M, Kimberly McNaught, William Arends, and Carrie Venus. Your super chats super help this show. So thank you. And to all the new Twitch subs, Sammy Lynn, The Kind Dragon, Lizzie Nepon, Ashes0610, JA99, and Janie underscore 75. You guys really uh, are lovely and wonderful. And I'm so glad we're growing that Twitch community. Um, and thanks to everyone who works on this show. Becca Roofer, Ellie Hoffman, Maximilian Inhoff, and Alexandra Orness. Uh, we stream every Sunday, 5, 8 Eastern. You can listen as a podcast. Uh, we will be streaming next Sunday. Yes, we will. Uh, so don't miss it. And remember, fight the power, fuck the patriarchy, and don't just bitch about it. Be about it. Oh, 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 wait. Monthly AMA is going to be July 28th. That's a Wednesday, July 28th at noon. So don't miss it. Become a patron. Ask me a question and send me your questions, patrons. Send me your questions in the inbox or to bitchiation at gmail.com. Okay, now we can go. Goodbye. <laughs>